Well, good afternoon, church. It is great to worship God with you guys this afternoon. It's great to be able to sing. It's great to be able to express our heart to God because he's expressed so much to us already. And for those that are visiting, thank you for for coming and spending time worshiping God with us uh, this afternoon. Uh, For those that missed last week, we're going to continue our journey uh, through the cross and some of the statements that Jesus made uh, while on the cross. Last week, we saw how a casual walk to Emmaus with Jesus helped two men reignite their faith in God. Their hearts burned again as they saw that the Messiah was Lord and God had raised him from the dead. It was awesome seeing their conviction be reignited. This week, we're going to tackle a topic that can keep our hearts from burning, something that can extinguish the flame that God wants to do and set in each one of our hearts. Today, we're going to look into the scriptures about forgiveness. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 14 through 15, I'll read it to you guys real quickly. It says, for if you forgive others when they sin against you, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your father will not forgive your sins. And in the cross and the Savior, one of the one of the chapters, it spoke of this. This is a little excerpt excerpt from it. It says, have you allowed the memory of people sinning against you to torment you to this very day? Bless you. They'll never say sorry. They'll never be exposed. They'll never get justice in this life. But you wish that they did. This is not healthy. It is poison for the soul. My sermon title this afternoon is, Are You Holding On to Sin? The question for many of us, or sometimes it's no question how aware we are of our own sin, right? We're aware of the things that we commit. We are aware of when we're being selfish or prideful or lustful or angry. We know when that's happening. And prayerfully, we're sinning less and less as we walk closer and closer to Jesus. Amen. Amen. But do we realize the poisonous impact that other sins can have on us if we don't forgive them? That passage in Matthew 6 that I just read, it says, if you don't forgive those who have sinned against you, what happens? God won't forgive you. He won't. He said, which means that holding on to the sin that others commit against you can be just as damning to our relationship with God than the sins that we commit. Have you ever thought about that? That even our sins, our sins can separate us from God. Our sins, they separate us from God. But that other sins, we can sometimes hold. And we can, like this apple, have in our hands, like Eve and Adam with the forbidden fruit. You know, this word forgive in the Greek, it means, the connotation behind it, is to send away, to leave alone, 
to release, or to permit. The word for sin in the Greek is letting go of the offense, releasing his hold it has on our hearts. As a quote from the cross the Savior said earlier, not forgiving others can be unhealthy to us. I mean, sin is sin, right? Sin is one of those things, or offense, it's one of those things that can separate us from other relationships. Not only our relationship with God, but our relationship with others. You know, you might can think of people in your mind right now that you don't have a close relationship that you used to have a close relationship with. Y'all must, y'all might have been tight. Y'all might have been like two peas in a pod, but then something happened. Some offense happened that maybe you committed. Maybe they committed. And the relationship is not the same anymore. That's a great description on what sin is. Sin severs relationships. Sins distance us from people that we could be loving. Jesus carried the sins of the world on the cross, amen? He, he sacrificed himself for our sins. And we talked about a few, a few weeks ago about him being on the cross and saying, Eloi, Eloi, laba sabathami, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He had the sins of the world on top of him. And he wanted those around him to know that I'm still going to be faithful, even, even while I'm going to the cross, even while I have the sins of the world on, on top of me. But for those that did hear about that, one of the things that I got to correct myself in is that sin, it does separate. It does. It separates us from God. It doesn't render God powerless, but it does separate us. And I must correct myself, and I think this is uh, just talking with Stever uh, before service uh, has started. This is one of the things that I'm learning from the scripture. Is that scripture can have many truths in it, right? Sometimes we might read a passage and we got three or four or five different truths that come out of it. But one awesome thing about God is just because one thing is true, that don't mean another thing is false if they're both from God. Amen. And that's one thing I'm learning as we continue to dive into the scriptures that just because he illuminates one thing, that don't mean he's darkened other truths. And I thank you, Stever, for keeping me honest uh, as a preacher, man, because I do want to preach the truth. Amen. Are you holding on to sin? Are you allowing sin of others to taint your relationship with God? How was Jesus able to forgive? In Luke chapter 23, verse 33 to 35, we read here in a second, we see Jesus's example of how he didn't let sin hamstring him, paralyze him, with his relationship with God. Even though the pain was physical, right? And we've all had physical pain because of relationships. Even though the pain had emotional ramifications, and we all had emotional ramifications because of sin that people have done to us. But how 
was he able to still keep his focus on the father? Even while the sin was happening right at that moment on the cross. If you can read with me, Luke chapter 23, verse 33 through 35. You guys with me? When they came to the place called the skull, they crucified him there along with the criminals, one on his right and the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Just even that statement, right? Sometimes it's tough for us to fathom that people that are sinning against us, people that are offending us, that they're not doing it on purpose. That their intent is not always evil. And sometimes it's negligence, right? We've been there before. We've hurt someone and didn't find out until years later. They're like, hey, you remember that one time when you, uh, you said this? You're like, no, I don't. I do. <laughs> and then they commence to reminding you of what was happening. We can learn something from Jesus. Because even though he was sinned against, he was able to get to their heart, which we'll talk a little bit more about later. But he said, Father, forgive them, for they do not do what, know what they're doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. The people stood watching, and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, he saved others. Let him save himself if he is God's Messiah, the chosen one. You know, this is a pretty intense time. You think Luke, this was the only gospel writer who mentioned this statement that Jesus made. Mentioned this statement, Father, forgive them for they do not do what they do. And Luke, he was a little different from the rest of the disciples as well because he didn't actually walk with Jesus. He wasn't one of the apostles. He was able to collect his gospel by interviewing other people. By interviewing the apostles, by interviewing Mary, the mother of Jesus, interviewing the people that saw Jesus firsthand. You know, Luke chapter one, verse one through four, talks about uh, him interviewing or just him coming up with his own account. Since he wasn't an eyewitness. But a lot of scholars think that one of the people that he interviewed was Mary, the mother of Jesus. You think Mary was there when Jesus was crucified. She was at the foot of the cross. So when Jesus was saying this prayer, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. Jesus' mother heard that. She was able to hear that. And you think uh, many of the apostles had fled. Many of the apostles were still working through things themselves. But Mary, she heard. She heard what her son had said. And you think about Luke doing his interview. And then Mary said, you know, one of the things that my son said while he was on the cross is forgive them for that they do not know what they're doing. And Luke, he probably dumbfounded. He's like, what do you mean they don't know what they were doing? They knew who Jesus was. They knew they were crucifying him. They knew they were killing this man. But Jesus is talking something much deeper than that. They didn't know he was the Messiah. If they would have understood who he was, that he was the son of God. Things would have been differently, right? Because those Israelites, those same Jews, they read about God very often. How was Jesus able to forgive his killers? 
How was he able to let the sin go, to leave it, to let it go away? He was able to focus on the Father. You know, one of the things that that I've been, uh, I've done many a time, and you guys might can relate. You got these pictures of different masks. Because have you ever noticed that sometimes you act differently around some people than you do with other people? Have you ever been there before? Right? You, you're around your boss at work, so you're talking about the company's initiatives, right? You're like, hey, you know, you know, you're doing all those different things because you're around your boss at work. Right. Or some of the guys that you grew up with, some of the girls that you grew up with in high school, you get around them, you start laughing and you got all these inside jokes and you, you start doing all these crazy things. You're like, you know, why am I doing this? Because sometimes we just act differently around people, even family at times. Sometimes we get around certain family and and we just start arguing for, for, for nothing. Right. I mean, you're like, I don't even know what we're arguing about anymore. I'm just know I'm going to win. I know that much. Right. We got some family members that it's just like that. Our brother, our sister, or sometimes it's, it's our parents or whoever the case may be, that favorite cousin. But Jesus, Jesus was always focused on the Father. And guess what? Because of his focus on the Father, he was able to give the same Jesus no matter what circumstance that he was in. He wasn't taking off the mask and putting on another mask. He wasn't taking off one personality and putting on another personality. Because of his focus on the Father, you know, in John chapter 10, verse 30, Jesus says, I and the Father are one. Do you think that affected his ability to let go of sin? Do you think that affected his ability to not hold on to sin of the world and even the Roman soldiers and the Jewish priests and the, ch- and the chief priests that sent him to the cross. He was able to let go because his focus was so intent on his father. So what can we learn? What can we learn from Jesus and his, and his example? Because people going to come continue to hurt you, right? I mean, that's just part of what relationships are. We're going to be hurt. We're going to hurt others. We have Jesus. And because of that, we can respond differently. Amen. Instead of being bitter, instead of being standoffish, instead of being all these different things that, that the world may do, we have a different plan. And I want to show by Jesus's example what his plan was. So the first thing that I realized from Jesus and and his word here is that he noticed, he took notice of others' relationship with God. Jesus took notice of others' relationship with God. Because when it comes to forgiveness, it's a couple scriptures where it talks about forgiveness or reconciling with believers, with disciples of Jesus. But then you have those that Jesus isn't Christ where Jesus is not the standard, and you got another process that we're going to talk about. But listen to these scriptures real quickly. Matthew chapter 5, verse 23 and 24. It says, Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go 
and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. You know, it talks about if you remember that your brother or sister has something against you. And just that word and, and, and just what it's talking about, it's talking about my someone in my community of believers. Someone that, that thinks the same thing that I do, that believes the same thing I'm, I do, you need to be reconciled with them. And he again, and later on in Matthew, in Matthew chapter 18, verse 15, if your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you have won them over. You got these two scriptures. One, talk about being won over with your relationship with another son or daughter in Christ. And then the same thing, being reconciled to someone that is a son and daughter in Christ. Because it's very important. You know, Jesus, he prayed about that, right? It must be unity amongst the people in this group. We must not hold on even to each other's sin. We must let it go and forgive. Amen. But what sometimes happens is that we forget. We forget that you are my brother, that you are my sister. And sometimes I see why. Because depending on our background, maybe we didn't have the best relationship with our sister or our brother. Maybe we still don't have the best relationship with our sister and brother. So that's what goes in our minds. It's not winning each other over or reconciling. But, hey, let's just keep our space and everything is going to be all right. But not in God's kingdom, amen. In God's kingdom, we're going to do whatever we need to be able to be on the same page. And we saw that with Jesus. He went back and talked to Peter. He went back and restored Peter. He went and helped Thomas, you know, through the holes in his hands to be reconciled back to him, to get him back on the purpose. That's our example. That's our example of relationships. But relationships can be tricky, right? We can all write a book about how tricky relationships can be. We might not read them all, but we can all write one, right? And relationships can be different depending, as I mentioned, on if you're dealing with someone where Jesus is Lord versus someone where me is Lord. Because Jesus, he didn't address the people he were forgiving. He was a forgiven. Who did he say? Who was he talking to? He said, Father, forgive them. Jesus wasn't talking to disciples at this point while he was on the cross. There's a difference between even the reconciliation process of working with disciples versus not because we're talking about two different worlds, right? But one of the things that we do is that we think that that person at work that, that hurt us, if I go and pour out my heart, man, you know, they, they're gonna, we're going to hug and we're going to pray and we're going to, we're like, wait a second, man, if, if Jesus is not Lord, it's, it's a different expectation, right? Listen to this. In, in Acts chapter 7, verse 59 through 60, you got Stephen being stoned, being killed, being mocked. 
And in verse 59, it says, while they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he had said this, he fell asleep. Then you think about the Lord's Prayer, specifically in Luke 11, verse 4. It says, forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. You know, you get these two examples And the feel is much different, right? When he was talking about forgiving those that are disciples, what did he say? You go to them, you talk about it, and you try to win them over or you reconcile. Because we're brothers, because we're sisters, because Christ's blood has covered us and we have acknowledged and we know that Christ blood has covered us. So you go, you talk to him, you make sure that you do everything that's in your power to be reconciled. But then you see some of these examples of them praying directly to the Father and asking the Father to forgive them. That doesn't mean I don't go up to people that are not disciples and try to work things out, right? I still need to do that. I still want to have peace as much as it comes on me, but the big thing I want to hammer out is the expectation, right? Because sometimes we're expecting things of others that they have no such expectation on themselves. They have no such expectation of calling themselves to the carpet and saying that, okay, yeah, I've I've done you wrong. I want to be humble right now and talk about how I've done you wrong. If someone don't have Jesus, That's not going to be second nature to them, right? But sometimes when we go to those same people, it's tough for us to forgive them because we expected them to respond like Jesus may have or the apostles may have. And what do we end up doing? We're holding on to their sin. We're holding on to what they committed against us instead of forgiving it and giving it back to the Father and letting him be the righteous judge. We hold on to it. And now we're in danger of not being forgiven by God because we're hurt and can't see the truth behind what God is trying to show us by giving the sin up to him in faith. That can be heavy sometimes, right? You're like, Clint, man, you don't know what they did to me. You don't know, man, when I came and talked with them and I shared my heart with them, they didn't want to have nothing to do with me. Nothing. How can I forgive them? How can I give this to God? We get to go back to Jesus, right? We go back to Jesus. What example that he give. What example? And Jesus, and, and, and that's one thing sometimes we think is maybe forgiveness and going after the reconciliation. Maybe that's, okay, I need to just hang out with this person that hurt me, that, that didn't respond to my forgiveness. You know, when Jesus came back, rose from the dead, guess who he hung out with? Believers. <laughs> he hung out with disciples. He appeared to disciples. 
He didn't go to the Roman's house and say, hey, man, no hard feelings, man. Come on, man, go ahead. ahead. Come on, man. No, he hung out with disciples. We can learn from Jesus that when when people hurt us and and we when we lengthen the rope and gave them many chances, sometimes we got to distance ourselves. That don't mean we stop praying for them. Because what does it say? Pray for your enemies. You know, love those that persecute you. I think it might be the other way around. We still have an expectation to love. We still have an expectation is that when we are around them for whatever, that we're going to do our part. But in the same sense, when we know our weaknesses, we got to watch out for them. We got to watch out for those that throw daggers at us. We got to watch out for those that just don't see us how God sees us. Because we got to protect ourselves because we're in danger of not seeing God face to face one day if we can't forgive them. Amen. But lastly, the one thing that Jesus understood, he understood his relationship with God. Not only did he did he notice and understand people's relationship with God or lack thereof, which helped his response and helped his expectation, he understood his relationship with God. Jesus knew that he and the Father were one. He knew that the Father created the universe. He knew that his Father gave men free will to make their own decisions, which included nailing him to the cross. He knew that his Father would allow him to suffer and to be ridiculed. He knew that his Father would not abandon him to the grave. Amen. He knew that his life would be the blueprint for this world. So that we can embrace the battle of evil around us. He knows that God will be the ultimate victor against Satan. Amen. God knows all these things. Jesus knows all all these things. But do we? Are we struggling with some of those truths that Jesus knew like the back of, of his hand? And is that struggle keeping us? from letting go of the sin that people have committed against us. The quote that I mentioned earlier about the poison of holding on to other sin, it came from the cross in the the Savior. But what I didn't mention was the background behind the quote. This quote came from a lady, a wife and a mother who had just lost her husband and two sons due to religious fanatics burning her her husband and two sons in a car while they were in it alive. This is her response as they interviewed her. I have only one message for the people of India, because that's where she lived. I'm not bitter, neither am I angry. But I have one great desire that each citizen of this country should establish a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, who gave his life for their sins. Let us burn hatred and spread the flame of Christ's love. Let us burn hatred and spread the flame of Christ's love. This is someone 
who buried her husband and two sons for some of those same people. She was able to get what Jesus was trying to put down for us. She was able to understand that this life, it is just temporary. As much as it feels eternal to each and every one of us, it's temporary. And we do not want to spend our wills and spend our time holding on to sins that other people committed against us. Because we got our own sin to deal with, right? We're trying to give those to Jesus. Don't, don't, don't do extra credit and hold other people's sin, amen? But this woman, she decided not to hold on to the sins of others. She decided to lean on her understanding of who God is, not just was, which helped her understand the perpetrator's relationship with God, that they needed Christ just like she needed Christ. When we let go of sin, we usher in the love and the peace of Christ. But as we take the bread, as we take the juice right now and take communion, is this some sins that you're holding on to right now of others? Family members, of friends, maybe people in this room that you're holding on to that you haven't extended forgiveness to. Let's take a page from Jesus' book. There are disciples in this room. Let's make sure we go and talk with them. Let's go, let's go and be transparent and reconcile with our brothers and sisters. Amen. And if someone comes to talk to you, here's a ticket for humility right now. All right. Humbly listen. Get some time to pray. And listen to what is showing on their heart. But maybe that person is not in this room. Maybe this person is not a disciple. Is not someone where Jesus is king. It's going to take some prayer. It's going to take going to the Father first and praying to the Father and asking him to forgive them even before you go and address that person. For God to help you to speak clearly. For God to help you to speak from a place of love. A place of love that overcomes the bitterness and the anger that you may feel or have felt. But as we take the bread, as we take the juice, remembering that Jesus, he did the dirty work. He did it already for us. But he still has given us some work to do. Amen. He still has given us relationships to do our part to men. And even if we don't have our relationship with him, it may be time for us to address that growing in our relationship with him and letting him be Lord and Savior and not just that that awesome God that has sound bites because he's so wise, right? Let's go to God in prayer.